Adam is the uh, owner and CEO of Stagger, and I am the self-appointed director of conservation. Uh, <laughs> when I found out Adam was starting this company, my first question was, Adam, what was my first question? When can I get a paycheck? Yes, <laughs> yes that was my first. <laughs> and do you have a, a defined benefit pension? But We so, don't have that yet. So far, no paycheck. But anyways, Adam, why don't you give us a little background on yourself, um, kind of a little bio. Yeah, so uh, as far as Stagger goes, um, started Stagger with the idea in mind that um, there wasn't a lot of options as far as gear that's specifically catered to tracking and hunting in the Northeast. Um, so that's kind of where the idea originated from. And then the fact that everything's getting so expensive too. So our goal is not only provide identity to hunters in the Northeast, but to give you know affordable options and quality stuff through that. Um, and then with this podcast, we just kind of wanted to... Um, bring that same idea of pro- providing an identity to people in the Northeast that hunt. Um, and we're going to try to bring, like Greg said, we're going to try to bring quality content, the best guests, um, all that stuff. So if there's anything you guys want to see, uh, hear tips, people, guests, anything you guys want, um, we're here for you to, to make the best content. So we're all open to any ideas. You can reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, our website, all that stuff too. But I think that pretty much covers the intro. I mean, yeah, Adam, why don't you why don't you give us a little hunting background of your uh, hunting career? You're still a pretty young guy, but um, you've you've built up quite a quite a reputation around the central Vermont area, and uh, you know you definitely 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 one of the best hunters I know, um, other than myself. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, give us a little give us a little background on your history. I mean, yeah, I've been hunting for oh, I think I started when I was ten years old. Um, come from a family of hunters, uh, family of some trackers. Uh, and then being in the central Vermont area, you know, you're, you're from the Benoit area per se. So tracking's a big thing in central Vermont and it's kind of originally where it started from, um, and kind of expanded all over Northeast as we know now. But, uh, yeah, I've been hunting since I was 10. I'd say it was probably 2013, I think 2014 when I, you know, I solely started tracking when we have snow, um, kind of fell in love with it from there. Picked up any information I could, listened to podcasts, did reading, watched anything I could, um, and that's kind of how I picked it up. Um, and it's been good ever since. I love doing it; it's my favorite thing to do, and it all kind of ties into the idea behind the brand that we're building, this podcast, and everything else. And uh, I mean, your company is a direct correlation of what you see as shortcomings in doing the thing you love to do, which is track deer. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, when you're in the woods tracking deer, you know three, four weeks out of November, um, you kind of figure out what's working and what doesn't work as far as the gear goes. So the designs that you're going to see with the stagger products are, um, things that we've picked up being out there. And cause there's not like, if, like, if you look at it, there's not a lot of companies that fully represent tracking and hunting in the Northeast, you know, like BeagleWare used to do it. Unfortunately, they're not still around anymore. So you're kind of limited in options as the, as to who you can, who you can buy stuff from that's made for this area. I'd yeah, say. there's a lot of folks walking around with BeagleWare that's just about to rot <laughs> off them right now. That's and, fair. Uh, so I think people are looking for a alternate solution. But but this podcast isn't about selling gear. It's not about advertising gear. It's, we're, we listen to a lot of different podcasts, and we love hearing the deer stories. We love for sure. I mean, just listening to the podcast. We can get better at our craft, and uh, we just see that. There's an opportunity here to to really get the word out 
Um, and there's a lot of uh, really good trackers in the Northeast that are not represented on these podcasts. Mm. Um, so Yeah, that's kind of the goal with that is not only talk to some of the bigger names that you see um, in tracking, but to talk to some of the local guys that maybe they don't have as big of a social media presence or don't have the videos on YouTube or whatever that you normally see. Um, cause some of these guys, they got a lot of knowledge that we're trying to tap into. So you guys can learn from it. We can learn from it, um, and bring you the best stuff we can. But awesome. what's, what's your story? I mean, well, just to give them a little, I'm just sort of here, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I wouldn't call myself an expert tracker. I'll give you a short little bio on myself. I'm uh, 41 years old. I live in Danville. Uh, I live, absolutely live for everything outdoors, whether it be ice fishing, regular fishing, trapping, goose hunting, duck hunting, deer hunting, moose hunting, state to state. Um, if I can kill it and eat it and put it in my freezer and appreciate it, I'm in. Um, me and Adam are kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. He's a specialist. He he is specialist, huh? Oh yeah, you find <laughs> and it's true, man. You find one thing like tracking and he just perfected it. And you know, the same could be said for bass fishing. I mean, you're one of the best bass fishermen around too, but you kind of focus on those two things. Whereas I kind of do everything and I'm not really good at anything, but I enjoy <laughs> doing it all. <laughs> so, uh, a quick background on me raised in Vermont, um, over in the, you know, the Groton Topsom area back then, um, in, you know, growing up in the eighties and nineties, um, a spike horn was a trophy in Vermont. Um, used to hunt with my great grandfather, my great uncle, my dad, and my grandfather on my mom's side. And I kind of got the fever at a really young age. Um, back then, you know, we'd all meet up at my great grandfather's around dark and we'd, you know, wait for everybody to come in. Everybody would tell their deer stories and the best hunter to this day that I know is my uncle Wayne. I mean, he, that guy went probably 30 plus years, got a deer every single year. Now they weren't huge bucks and he wasn't tracking them, but his persistence, I mean, he'd set daylight to dark every single day. There was, there was never a doubt. Is he going to get a deer? It was a, it was just when, and without fail, he'd come down off the mountain with a deer. He'd have a perfect bullet hole behind the shoulder. <laughs> it was just, it was just incredible. And I, and I saw how people looked at him and I, and he was kind of revered around town and, and within the family. And I wanted that same feeling. I wanted to be, you know, like him. I wanted to be um, respected in that way. So that's kind of been a, a fever of mine that I'm, I'm trying to uh, get over, like how many tags can I fill? And, <laughs> you know, so this is a good intervention for me. I need to start focusing on killing quality over quantity. Um, but, uh, yeah, Vermont really... I mean, it's, it's pretty well known that Vermont hunters are good trackers. Um, you could put a Vermonter anywhere in the country and we're going to fill a tag. Um, we're used to having one opportunity a year and that's what makes us good trackers. Because when you get that one second chance to shoot at a jumping deer, uh, we know we're only going to get one chance a year. So we know we're not going to blow it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's a big, that's a huge thing. And we also know that, you know, you might have to stick with it for three weeks in a row till you you know, something happens. So I just think we're built to be, um, good trackers. So. A lot of resilience too. And Vermont hunting, man, it can get frustrating. So you kind of oh, learn yeah. that resilience and that, uh, the need to stick with it. Cause if you don't, you're not going to be successful. I mean, there's guys that go their whole life in Vermont and never shoot a buck. Um, big time, but, big time. And yeah. then you go, and then the mentality with Vermont hunters too, is you, 
you shoot a buck five years in a row. Well, you don't shoot one that six year, and everybody's like, "Woo, he lost a step." <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> so it's true. It's sad, but true in Vermont. Pop up so. question on top of the whole Vermont thing. No offense to the Mainers out there, but why do why does so many Mainers? Why don't they like the green plates in in Maine? What do you think? I mean, you spend more time in Maine than anyone. Well, personally, <laughs> I know. I mean. All jokes aside, just all jokes aside, this is my <laughs> my opinion, and I'm usually and I'm, I'm wrong a lot of the time. So, um, but Larry Benoit obviously has been highly touted as like the best deer hunter in America, you know, and he kind of he kind of made his name in the state of Maine, and you know he he was a he he wrote some great books. They came out with the videos. He was on uh, Sports of Field Field and Stream. I mean, very well known, and I think that. Um, some of that, some of that, maybe a little bit of resentment is from I me. Mean, there's some damn good deer trackers in Maine, but oh, kind of Larry, yeah, Larry can't kind of came in and took over. <laughs> so there's that. And then there's just the fact of, of our, um, you know, a Vermonter will come in and he doesn't need a guide. He doesn't need anybody. He's just going to go, um, do it on his own. Whereas like guys from Massachusetts, Connecticut that aren't used to the big woods as much might get a might get a guide up in Maine and stuff. So, I mean, it, we do create some crowding. If anybody's ever been up the range lately. Do you, do you think that, I mean, you've been hunting Maine since like early, what, early 2000s, right? Yeah. Do you think there's, 2000s. is there more or less Vermonters now than there was back then? Because you kind of hear mixed, like some areas, I feel like a lot of guys are going towards, like I heard like Jack went up this way this year. Was, it was with was crazy with Vermonters versus like us kicking around in Eustis or Rangeley in that region. It seemed like there was slightly less green plates around than, yeah, there's in previous years, but I don't know if we, what your opinion is on that. Yeah, so I started hunting for, uh, in Maine in 2004, and there was a lot of Vermonters back then. But um, it, it the last few years, and I think the, I think just the social media, you is know, that, everybody, yeah, I mean, everybody sees it. It's a romantic type of hunting, and everybody wants to do it, and everybody's listening to the to Hal, and everybody's listening to Rodney, and and it's like, Jesus, I want to go do that. So I think there is a little bit of, uh, maybe a little bit of overcrowding up there right now, not just for monitors, but everybody, but I think that once you get a taste of, of Big Woods hunting and tracking, I, I think that there's a lot of uh, die-off that's going to happen because it's just not for some people. Um, even Yeah, even if the peers and people out there doing it, it seems like the idea of tracking and like the obsession with it, people, people become obsessed with it. It seems like it's growing every year, even if they don't even ever take a step in the woods to, to go actually track a deer. It seems like there's a lot more following of the sport, which is, which is definitely apparent. Yeah. For the years. first time you're, you're seeing, uh, it talked about nationally. Oh yeah. I mean, people are loving it. Yeah. Like, uh, the meat eater, one of the guys from the meat eater crew, uh, That's Mark right. Kenyon went up and tried, tried his hand at tracking. Yeah. And, um, you know, he had some bad conditions, but, um, and there's a lot, a lot more YouTube content as well, which kind of gives the, the peek into it for people that have never done it before, which kind of leads to, so another host is going to be joining us for the next few podcasts is Greg and I here. Um, but Isaac Young's also going to be involved with this whole thing. Um, Isaac's a really good tracker. He's uh, out of Southern Vermont. You probably seen him on YouTube. He's got a lot of good content on there, shooting big bucks, tracking them down. He's, uh, Definitely one of the fastest growing up in this re- this area, this region, um, and then in just tracking in general. Um, so we're excited to have him on. He'll be joining us for the next podcast, so you'll hear that. Um, but, yeah, I know he's got a lot of good stories. He probably has a lot of tips on if you want to become a self-filmer in the woods, I'm sure he could he could definitely help people out with that as far as that goes. Yeah, some um, of his uh, recent YouTube videos are just incredible. Blowing up, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
especially that uh you know the angle that he's filming from and just uh he he was able to get some great footage and that one video in particular where he shoots that buck and it's it lets out this incredible grunt i mean we'll talk about that in the next one pretty awesome yeah for sure so kind of what what we're our plan is with this podcast to start so every week when we do this podcast every couple weeks we're gonna open it up with uh just the host talking first here before we get the guest in and we're going to kind of set up a little fun little five question rapid fire a uh, little sequence for all the hosts so one week i'm going to make them for greg i'm going to make questions for isaac and they're going to make them for me or vice versa so just kind of a way to get to know us a little better kind of have a little bit of fun with it um and kind of just peek into some stuff but you got your fight you want to you want to start this you want to go or? first you, you want me to go start first. it i can start it why don't you start? Cause right, mine go. are pretty. Mine are mine are probably gonna hurt a little. All right. So the rules of this thing, you can have. You have to answer the question within two sentences, one preferably. No, no hangups. No hang. You can't hang up. So if I ask you a question, you can answer it. You can't come back. And I wasn't told it. We can, of these rules. We can discuss the question afterwards. We can come back to it, but in the sequence of five questions, you have to answer them right away. Boom, boom, boom. Two sentences max. You ready to go? I'm you're ready. On, you're on the clock. I'm ready. All right. Here we go. This is Greg going. I got five questions for him. Let's start off with a with a romantic one. What's the best hunting year of your life that you can remember? Two sentences. 2013. Uh, every time I stepped in the woods, it was like ridiculous. I just saw a deer. It was lightning every time. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was lightning every time. I think I ended up getting like three bucks that year and maybe a couple does, and it just just was incredible. Shot my biggest deer in maine that year as well so all right heaviest deer you ever killed um no comment with guts <laughs> or without <laughs> so uh 195 which is there's a blog on the website about that god darn out. it i need to hit that 200 pound mark and then i can be happy next uh favorite animal to hunt after deer favorite animal to hunt after deer is moose okay um the reason for that being it's a huge great looking beautiful animal it's a stressful hunt because you got a lot of money and, and, um, tracking and scouting into it, but the reward is huge. 300 pounds of meat in the freezer. That's, you know, that's awesome. Uh, first your age when you get your first deer, no comment, <laughs> 18 <laughs> years old. And I want to elaborate on that. Oh no. Now, no, we got to come back to that. You can't we're coming back to it. Okay. All right. This is the final question. This is for all the marbles right here. If you had a dollar, for every year and a half old deer you kill, how much money would you have? Well, <laughs> Jesus, more than more than I get paid at Stagger, <laughs> quite a bit actually. Yeah, that's that's part All of good fun. Part of why I'm here. All right, let's circle back. All right, let me explain my 18 year old first buck kill, please. Okay, I don't want everybody thinking I'm a complete loser, but a lot of people get their first buck when they're older. Now, back when I I started hunting when I was 12 years old, um was hunting in Topsom, Vermont, where the deer per acre is probably less than um, Maine. Um, my dad started me off with a break-open 20-gauge shotgun, <laughs> smooth bore with a slug, no scope. Back then, there was no use seasons, and the recruitment phase of hunting really wasn't that good. I was more of a annoyance. Uh, my, <laughs> I kind of was stuck with my great-grandfather um, in Back then, everybody, nobody had weeks off to hunt. Everybody was hunting the weekend. So it was kind of like, hey, you take the young kid, get him out of the way. And uh, I missed a number of bucks with that break open 20. Very easy shots. I don't know. I, I shot the damn thing, and it couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. But 
um, finally was was uh, given a rifle for Christmas and kind of started doing my own thing. And at the age of 18, I, I shot my first uh, buck, which is a three-pointer. With that gun? Uh, with that gun, yep. Was and, that slugs uh, or was that buckshot? No, no, no. It was. I'm sorry. It was a .30-06 oh, okay, uh, Ruger. But was the, the shotgun was that slugs or was that? The shotgun gun? with slugs was retired uh, okay. at gotcha. the age of, uh, I think I started home with a rifle when I was like 16. So... Uh, Kind of, kind of shot that first deer and never really looked back after that. Just kept, kept going and going. And I tell my son like how lucky he is that, I mean, I take him hunting, I clothe him, I sight his gun in, I scout for him. He shows up. I mean, he is a sharpshooter, but Jesus, he's he pretty much has to show up and pull the trigger and pose for the pictures. So it's a lot easier nowadays for kids than it was back in my day. And not to say my dad um didn't do good by me because he really did we had a lot of good times but um it was it was kind of a proving ground back then and hey let's let's throw this kid out there and let's see if he let's see if he sticks with it so i'm kind of glad i was brought up in that way and it made me want it even worse so um there there's That's my fair. explanation <laughs> all right let's get the you got my five questions here you watch i got see. your five questions now mine are kind of screwed up because i didn't realize the two sec the two sentence thing so um, well, I can kind of keep it short. All right. Keep rolling. With it. I've got six. Can I do six or no? I'll throw you, I'll throw you a bonus one. Okay. Uh, number one, what initially got you interested in tracking deer? Ooh. Uh, man, I'd say, I mean, I had an uncle growing up that was, that was really into tracking. And the quality that that guy was killing back then when everybody seemed to be shooting spike horns and fork horns was, I don't know, I'd say that's probably what was what motivated me to, to learn tracking and get into it. Um, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Adam, I know you're big into physical <laughs> fitness. Can you elaborate oh, a, a little? And don't yeah, don't be shy. <laughs> Although I will say, you, the kid lifted weights and uh, busted his ass getting in shape, and then tracking season started, and he he looked like a toothpick uh, after about a month of running the mountains. So he's trying to build back up now. But anyways, <laughs> so Adam, I know you're big into physical fitness. Can you elaborate a little on what you do in order to make sure that you're 100% prepared every season? Oh man, you got to keep the the legs are the most important part if you're going to be a tracker for sure. Um, as far as physical fitness goes, that and mental strength too. But mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of that comes down to the, the person and what they're willing to do for a deer when it comes to tracking. But yeah, legs. I think there was a there's a quote and you know the movie Miracle there with the the Olympic hockey team there. Yes, remember that that Herb Brooks guy. He always said the legs feed the wolf, and that kind of applies to tracking. Not to be cliche or anything like that, but no, excellent for sure. Yeah, and and just an aside, like I think everybody's seen the famous Benoit uh, videos, where Lanny's standing there chewing tobacco, (laughs) slugging down a Mountain Dew, and saying, "Hey, anybody can freaking do this." Those guys, yeah, and that is true. Anybody can do that if they, you know, have a little determination. But I will tell you, when you could put everything in your corner, be it physical conditioning, marksmanship, game behavior, all that, if you could, being physically fit increases your opportunity. It's just a plain fact. Yeah. So, anyways, I mean, and, that, I, and yeah. I'm I'm kind of a hypocrite on that. So I'm working on it. <laughs> so um, next, my next question is: Tell me about your buck you tracked down this year. But I, I think I'm going to save that till the end because that that's one. kind of a cool story. story piece. Yeah. So I just want a yes or no on this one. Oh no, Adam. Yeah. Isn't it true we both shot eight points this year? Yes or no? If you're doing good maths, then yeah, I guess we did. I, that's, you want to talk that's about not your, a yes or no. Yeah, we did. Yeah. 
Thank you. We'll Thank go you. with that Thank just you. to boost your confidence. Okay. Next. You want to elaborate that on it after? We can, yeah, we can come back to that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, Adam, this yeah. was actually your first year hunting up in Maine. What was your initial impression? That's not my first year up in Maine. Second year, sorry. What was your initial impression, though? Uh, man, it's, it's big. Uh, love it up there, though. Um, deer actually seem to do what deer are supposed to do up there compared to Vermont. I mean, obviously, when you're tracking, it's a different story. But, like, as far as bear ground hunting goes, like, up there... I run into a couple bucks fighting, uh, deer grunting, running around all over the place. I mean, you don't see a lot of that in Vermont. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but up there, as far as the deer behavior goes, it's just, it's different. Um, a lot less human pressure on deer up there. Like they're not living to run away from humans up there. They're just living. Um, that's yeah. an important point to make. Like, uh, one thing I've noticed hunting in Vermont, you jump a deer, that thing is in the oh, next man. County. Yeah. Uh, you jump a deer in Maine. And it'll take three, four bounds. And, and a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times it'll kind of stop and take a look at you or mm-hmm. it won't be in high speed when it's running away. So mm-hmm. that's just, that is a, a fact. And I don't know if it's still a fact around the heavily yeah. hunted areas, but you get in the backwoods and it's, it, it is for sure. Kind of on that, like up in uses this year, um, like jumped multiple deer and they would literally just go out of sight and you sit there and wait and like you, you take a few steps of where you can see and they're there still standing there waiting for you and i kind of find that a lot of deer up there it seems like versus vermont they let you get a little closer to them as far as before you before they spook um like vermont man you could be 300 yards away on a windy day and it seems like they'll pick you out it's crazy but up there yep. i don't know if it's just the thickness of the woods or the quiet going or or stuff like that but it's definitely different yeah definitely so well i'll, I'll uh i'll elaborate on the eight points question because <laughs> adam did get an eight pointer and I got a five-pointer and a three-pointer. So I technically, guess, yeah, that's good maths. Technically, we got maths. eight points. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam, you want to you want to tell us about your yeah. your uh, tracking story this year? It's yeah, pretty, so. pretty good story. And I'll tell you what. Um, I wish your I physical camera. fitness was a direct correlation of that getting that deer because I, not a lot of people would have would have done what you did. Yeah, it was so. pretty crazy. Um, yeah, so. Uh, Kind of a backstory. I hunted the first two weeks in Maine, uh, bare ground up there. The first two weeks, stayed in the truck, kind of slugged it out up there. Saw a few deer, uh, got a crack at one the second week. But then Vermont got some weather coming in versus Maine that third week. We were going to get some snow up in some higher elevations, and there wasn't anything going in Maine. So I shipped it back to Vermont, and I kind of got a, a main territory in Vermont that I like to run uh, up on a big mountain. It's a big state forest. Um, had a lot of good success up there in the past. So, and I got areas up there where I usually can go to kind of like up in Maine where you got a signpost rub and you can usually pick up a, a track by that. I kind of got some area areas up on this mountain. There's like shells where there's always some wicked good scrape lines. You can always almost catch a buck track almost all the time up there. Um, so that morning I get out of the truck down low at the state forest. There's no snow down in the parking lot and there's you know it's it's usually snow from bottom to top up on that mountain it's it's pretty high in elevation but there's nothing down the truck so i was a little nervous i could see the snow line up above there so i started trucking kind of put the gun on the back and there's some some old logging trails and hiking trails through there down low so you can kind of you can move pretty quick from down low to get up high so i put the gun on the back flew up the mountain headed up towards this shelf where there's like a shelf and then right above that there's like this little spruce green green growth knob there yep and there's almost always a group of doe that are always hanging up on that knob and there's usually a big scrape line a rub line that kind of circles that knob on that little shelf there and i've cut multiple multiple buck tracks there before killed a few bucks um that i cut from there um so get up to that shelf nothing 
Um, but the snow in the night kind of ended probably 5 a.m. So there wasn't a whole lot of time for them to to lay down track. So I get up to that knob, kick the dough off that knob all by herself, big dough. I was like, oh, that's something then. So looped around, tried to find track, nothing, nothing around that. Uh, so I said, oh, I'll start doing some zigzags up and down the side of the mountain. So I went up, got about 3,200 feet, nothing on the way up, started swinging down, got down to about uh, probably about 2,200 feet, dropped about 1,000 elevation, kind of just zigzagging the side of this mountain. Went back up one more time, nothing cut there, and I was kind of surprised at this point because a lot of deer live on that side of the mountain usually, and you can almost always get a track there if you don't get one back on that shelf I was talking about. So I'm up high on my second zigzag up high, and I start cutting back down the mountain, and I get about halfway down, and there's a track coming from kind of the direction I just came from about halfway down the mountain. It's probably like 2,600 feet, I guess. And it's smoking fresh. Like I, like I don't know if I kicked it on my last zigzag because it was coming from that direction. Yep. So like I didn't see its track coming before at that elevation. So I see it then. It's smoking fresh. The snow's only been stopped for I don't know three hours, and not a speck of snow in that thing. So I'm like, oh okay, this is a nice track. Get a good stagger to it. Dragging its feet. There's probably only, I mean, up at that elevation, probably four inches of snow. Not a lot, but three four inches. Perfect. Just enough. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I get on that track. And I, you know, I'm going slow at first here just to figure out exactly what it's doing. And it looks like it's on a, on a line, like not zigzagging, it's moving. It's going from the south side of the mountain to the north. Um, so I get on that thing. I said, all right, it's going. So I start trucking and I probably go, I don't know, maybe a quarter of a mile, maybe not even a quarter of a mile. And I see something kick up behind like a wall of, you know, those Christmas trees that get like six feet tall. Yep. Kind of see through them, not super thick, like the, the fir trees, just like a just like a thin spruce, a wall of them. I see a deer kick up behind that, right in the direction of those tracks, and I, I see like a main beam. I think I think I see a main beam swing out. So I pull up and sure enough I see the main beam and it's kind of trucking behind those trees going down the down the mountain. Rip one shot off. I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I hit it, because it was it was cooking. I mean, it was probably 40 45 yards behind the wall of trees and just so the uh, the uh, audience knows what are you using for a gun oh um, you got the you got to have the 7600 pump carbine no scope with, with peep sight yeah and that's that uh, we'll talk about peep sights on another day but yeah i ripped a quick shot off of that deer it was starting to truck down the mountain uh, i didn't know if i hit it at that point you know i'm not i'm not, I'm not gonna say i'm the greatest shooter as far as on moving deer but um because I've missed a few. <laughs> Everybody misses a few. But anyway, so that thing starts going down the mountain. So I go over to where I shot at it, and I see there's hair and just a few specks of blood, like tiny little specks of blood, and then just a track, and then nothing after that. No blood. So I get on that track, and I go probably 80 yards kind of down the mountain. And I know I probably didn't hit a good, maybe just a graze based on the hair, kind of white hair, uh, lower maybe leg. I wasn't 100% sure, just a little tiny bit of blood. So I start going down that track, and I get probably 80 yards. And the way this mountain sets up, there's, like, shelves, kind of like a lot of mountains in Vermont. You, it's steep, and then it shelves out, steep, and then it shelves out. So I get down to the next shelf, and I look down over the edge, down the next kind of steep part, down to the next shelf, and I see a deer. It's facing me. It's looking back up at me. Its head's kind of, like, in a tree. Couldn't tell. So I, I wear binoculars on my chest. you got to have those if you're, if you're carrying a peep gun. Mm-hmm. And I see the tracks headed right towards it, pull the binoculars out, look down there, and I see the see the main beam sticking up out. So I'm like, okay, that's that's gotta be it for sure. So get the binoculars out, I'm looking, it's kinda holding up holding up its front left leg a little bit. So I'm like, okay, it's definitely the one to hit. So pull up my stupid ass 
forgets to flick the, forgets to flick the safety off. That'll happen. So I get up there, pull, nothing. Deer's still standing looking at me. So I flick the safety off, pull up again, put it on it. And, I mean, it's probably 85 to 100 yards down on that next shelf. So yep. those that know have a peep gun, you understand that, like, at 100 yards, that peep's taking up most of that chest of that deer. Oh, yeah, covering um, the whole deer pretty much. Yeah, pretty much the chest there. So shoot, deer doesn't move. I'm like, okay, rack another one. Completely missed it. I don't know if I pulled on that or one. Shoot again. That deer jumps up, does the death kick, starts barreling on the mountain. So I'm like, oh, okay, I got him that time. Starts flying down the mountain. So I go down to where I shot. Yep, I got blood and hair again, and a little bit more blood than the last time, like a spray of blood. And then uh, I'm like, okay, I think I got him good. I had it dead. He was facing me, dead center on chest. So I start going down the trail there. Go probably 500 yards, and there's a speck of blood like every 50 yards, like one dark red Ugh. speck of blood. And I'm like, oh man. You getting that sick to your stomach feeling I mean, at that nobody point? Nobody wants a wounded deer, you know. You want to make it quick, so yeah. you, you kind of feel like shit in in that sense. Um, so I start going on that trail, go about five hundred yards. It's going straight down the mountain, and in the bottom of the valley of the mountain, where there's a there's a wicked wicked valley, and, and in that valley there's a big river, um, kind of that everything off those two mountains drains right into. So he goes down the river, and like a lot of wounded deer do, he beds right next to the river. So I get down probably hundred and twenty yards from the river. I see him get up and I see him start going up the other side. Crosses the river and he's trucking. I'm like, I get down to that bed and there's blood in the bed. He laid down. It looks like there's definitely on the right side, uh, right front side, there's a lot of blood. Not, I mean, not a lot of blood, but a decent amount of snow. You know, you never yep. can tell how much snow. So that thing, I was expecting it to go a little bit farther because obviously it was hurt because it, it stopped a few times down through there. It wasn't hardly bleeding, but like it was, yep. you could see it dragging a leg or whatever. Um, it thing, that thing goes on a mission from that last riverbed right there to the back of the mountain, about 3,000 feet up to the green growth, nonstop, probably a mile and a half, two miles, sprinting the whole time, dragging <laughs> a leg. Like, I this never, is where that physical conditioning comes in for you. It's crazy. So, like, I was expecting that thing to keep the lay down, you know, dragging a leg, uh, bleeding a little bit. But that thing goes on a beeline to the back of the mountain, straight up, way up high, through the gnarliest shit you ever seen, boulders and and straight up vertical stuff, and it, we're like, I had a hunting buddy with me then too, and we were like, this deer must be fine. Like, how's it even doing this? But like, so obviously, you're starting to doubt yourself at this point. I mean, a little. I mean, if you got snow though, like anyone knows, if you draw blood on snow, you're probably gonna catch up to that deer. So yep. we get up into that three thousand foot range, and I got some video that we'll post the stagger or the stagger cast Instagram after, and we were creeping. We get up to that that three thousand mark, and that bet that deer laid down again bedded he bedded like three times right as soon as he got up to the top of it blood in each bed you can tell he's uncomfortable and he's dragging the leg or whatever he beds three times so we start creeping in that green growth because he's like i think that deer is like no way anything just followed me up that yep. like vertical rock ledge like unbelievable stuff so we get start creeping through that green growth my buddy's like 10 yards behind me kind of just fanning looking around i'm got eyes on the track and kind of looking the direction it's going but everyone knows up in that green growth it's like you can see 10, 15 feet. Oh, yeah. So thick, yeah. short, thick. So we're creeping through that green growth, poking around. That deer's just kind of going real slow after those last three beds. And we're like, he's going to lay down again for sure. He's we don't thinking go- he's in his own little yeah, house. Up there. I mean, it's it's quiet. It's thick. Yep. Like you, no one's crazy enough to I chase didn't think, him. I was like, no way we're going to catch this deer in this stuff. Like, we're going to have to kick him off of this if he beds down again and, like, get him back into some more open stuff. So we're creeping through that green growth way up there and come around one little spruce tree on my right come around it and everything's up there's covered with snow i come around it and i see the front legs of a deer and i look up and then that deer is no joke like 10 to 12 feet away from me 
Wow. Next to a next to a little spruce tree. His, his front legs are coming up out of the bed like he's about to take off. So I pulled the gun up, put one dead center on his chest, and dropped po- him. Literally ten. I was if I had a camera, it'd be one of the most awesome videos, like a, over the camera Ugh. or over the shoulder camera, ten feet away. You will be. Crazy. You will have one this year. I guarantee it. Well, we'll see. <laughs> That's <laughs> but awesome. Yeah, so that, ten feet away. Finished him right there. Beautiful was, rack. Beautiful, beautiful mountain buck. Yeah, those are mountain deer. They don't weigh a lot in Vermont as a lot of guys know. I mean, some do, but. What'd that to, one go? That one weighed 152. Um, nice I'll ride it though. out. So probably pushing 180-ish. One, yeah, 170, 180. But those yep. mountain deer, they don't get, they don't get, not a lot of 200-pounders. I've only seen a few 200-pounders off of that mountain. You'll never buck. forget that as long as you live. No, that was a good hunt. Story. You um, earned every bit of that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because. You didn't track him long, but that's just that's just the way it goes sometimes. Sometimes yeah. you get on them and they're smoking fresh, but Jesus, you made up for it on the back say, end. Yeah, it doesn't happen that, y'all. I mean, the weekend before that, up high, I stayed up above 3,000 feet all day because that's the only, only place there was snow the weekend before and uh, tracked a buck for, it was nine and a half miles, and that thing was on a, on a line the whole way, just yep. looking for does. I mean, laid a few scrapes down, but never slowed down, nothing. Um can uh got lucky on that one for sure i mean oh, yeah. as far as yep. not real not really lucky though i mean jesus christ you stuck with just it. getting lucky in the sense that you you catch you, you don't always catch track that quick at any smoke at any point like were you like wishing you had a scope on that gun or i mean obviously the peeps they have their advantage when moving deer thick stuff and then like that day the the limbs are so snowy from the we yeah. probably got four or five inches of snow overnight so everything was covered so when you're banging through all that green growth stuff everything's getting covered up like you have to blow your peep out a lot yeah so my buddy had a scope gun, and his gun was just absolutely filling up with snow. So, like, I think everybody knows they both had their pros and their cons. Um, probably the best time I wish I had a scope when I was looking down at that deer on the next. next oh yeah, you'd have because right I mean there, that's a hundred yard chip shot with a scope, or versus the peep that takes up the whole front of the deer. But when I track a deer, it's on similar conditions as you. I, I have a pump uh, thirty out six Remington as well, and I have a scope on mine and. I'm amazed I don't get shot by another hunter because I've got paper <laughs> towels coming out every two seconds, wiping the scope off, and it just it, it actually holds you up. What's that gun's bit. name? What'd you name that gun? Uh, that gun's named Terminator. And Terminator. Uh, if Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> listening to this podcast, I'm sorry. I don't know if that's a trademark or James Cameron or whoever the hell made that movie. But yeah, you've you've killed a lot of deer with that gun. Yeah, that's been an awesome gun. And um, can I tell you a quick story? I mean, this yeah, isn't a tracking story, but for. it's. So can I tell you about the gallbladder buck? <laughs> oh yeah the gallbladder yeah, and this, this is, is a, a ca- listen to this <laughs> this is a cautionary tale to get your lazy ass out of bed in the morning <laughs> so my father-in-law drew a main moose tag and cow moose and we're all excited we did our scouting we go up there and i noticed he was a little bit off that week uh he was you know complaining of back pain uh he lives for the partridge hunting up there you could barely get him to get out in the woods and shoot a partridge uh, i knew something was wrong um anyways we got our moose had a great hunt uh we were way up above uh, moosehead lake and in maine right yeah in hindsight uh thank god his gallbladder didn't go up there because we were so far from anything up there um but we get back to vermont and it's actually rifle season in new hampshire and i've got this spot over there where i've been getting you know probably eight to ten different bucks coming down off the mountain in this bowl one of which nice nice eight pointer crazy spot yeah i remember greg showing me all these pictures during the season like it's this crazy funnel i've never seen anything like it especially in the northeast you don't usually have a lot of spots like that where everything is going through this one spot multiple bucks does everything it's crazy yeah the one buck in particular just a just a (laughs) cranker that i 
that I named Gandalf. I don't know why, but probably because I'm a kind of a nerd, but he's still alive, by the way. But um, anyway, so there's this other eight pointer and it's rifle season and we get back from Maine and I'm all actually it's muzzleloader in, in New Hampshire. And I'm all fired up to go sit in that bowl and um, was planning on going there the following morning. Well, my wife keeps telling me all day, like, oh, I don't know what's going on with my dad is he's having all this pain. Well, we ended up at the ER that night and he had a gall, like a wicked bad gallbladder attack thing was about ready to blow and ended up at the ER, like pretty much all night, got home at like two in the morning and the conditions were going to be great. Nice cold morning. Mm. The wind was good. And I, I just kind of stayed my ass in bed and which was a huge mistake because <laughs> when I actually got up and went hunting that day, uh, checked the camera and that eight pointer was standing uh, broadside of 40 yards from where I was sitting. So that, that really sucks. So we called in the gallbladder buck, but <laughs> I redeemed myself a few days later sitting in that same bowl. A nice five pointer came by. And that was their rifle. All right. That was during yeah. rifle. Yeah. I never hunted the New Hampshire muzzleloader season. It always seems like they, oh man, they they get some smokers. When yeah, New Hampshire's muzzleloaders like the very end of October into the first of November. We yeah. always, it's always like you're gearing up for kind of going to Maine at that time of yeah, year. But for sure, um, New I mean, Hampshire is freaking awesome, yeah. just like Maine. I mean, because you go northern New Hampshire is kind of like Maine. You got the two hundred pounders, but as soon as you get down to where kind of where the oaks start growing. It goes from body weight into like rack, and the, there are some huge rack bucks. Yeah, down there, the, so. the racks that you see people pulling out of like the White Mountains and stuff, it's crazy. It's in New Hampshire in general. I could definitely spend some more time there next year, but awesome, awesome. But um, yeah. So, anyways, but uh, this is this is going to be a regular thing, and and we're going to do this podcast as long as we have interesting, good content. You mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, if we're not bringing the best content let us know because like that's what we're here for is to bring the best stuff for you guys so like i said reach out to us on facebook or yeah adam where can where stuff. can they find you me or, or stagger 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 you gear. are stagger <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> so you can follow stagger gear on instagram or facebook it's just at stagger underscore gear um or you can get us on our website uh www.staggergear.com um probably end of march we'll release our full product line so you guys will know everything that's coming with that uh, we're working diligently right now to get everything manufactured and ready to go for you. Um, so would we'll it be, be safe to say that all your information is going in there? All the information is going in there, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we'll, we'll release the full product line in March and probably April, uh, we'll open up some pre-orders. I know there's a lot of people asking about pre-orders right now. Uh, so we're guessing around April, we can order, open up some pre-orders so you guys can get your stuff first. And then, uh, yeah, more details to come on exactly yeah, what the products sure. will be, but it's going to be tracking centric. Yeah. Tracking and then hunting in the Northeast. So like, uh, you know, we got some good, good gloves and hats and stuff. They're not only just for tracking, but for sitting or however you like to hunt just, uh, but yeah, keep your eyes out for that. We'll be fully launching in end of July, beginning of August, but product lines and pre-orders will be before that. So I think that about wraps it up for us today. Uh, this is, Yes, Stagger. Sir. This is the Staggercast first episode um, test, and you know we're we're glad to have you here, and we're happy to be talking. So uh, we'll keep on with that, and you guys keep doing your thing. Anything else, Greg? Just keep on keeping on, man. We're we're uh, coming into uh, ice fishing season right now, so <laughs> we got a long ways to go. But uh, listening to this kind of stuff just keeps the fire burning. So um, for sure, you guys have a good week, and we'll be back soon.